Hello and welcome to The Matrix Podcast, a podcast written and produced by Athens High School students. I'm Elon Goro. I'm Lydia McInnes. And I am Henry Welsh. In today's episode, we'll be discussing healthy dynamics in relationships, as well as different red flags in a partnership. We interviewed two mental health professionals on the subject, Julie Rockledge, MSLPC, NCC, and Ellen Smith, LPCS, CST. Both professionals gave their insight on healthy ways to talk through conflict with partners. They also gave common scenarios and told us how anyone going through them should deal with them. We also answered questions about our own personal thoughts on our past relationships and gave what advice we could to teenagers in long-term relationships. The first professional we interviewed was Julie Rockledge, Master of Science in Counseling, Licensed Professional Counselor, and National Certified Counselor. What are the characteristics of a healthy relationship? So I think that a healthy relationship, there's no one-size-fits-all way of being in a healthy relationship, but there are some key components, and I would say it really comes down to trust, respect, and communication. Um, What are examples of red flags that show a relationship is becoming toxic? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I rely a lot on Dr. John Gottman's research. Um, He's been studying relationships for 40 years and has done a lot of research. And uh, he really identifies four main red flags. So if you are finding yourself criticizing your partner a lot, um, if you feel contempt for your partner, so you find yourself acting superior, talking down to that person, um, that's another main issue, red flag. The third would be defensiveness. So if your partner comes to you with something that's been bothering them and you immediately respond with um, <clears throat> victimizing yourself and blaming the other person, that, that's a major red flag in a relationship. And the final one is, is called stonewalling. So if you find yourself shutting down and um, you know, sort of having like a wall up with your partner that that really creates a lot of disconnection in the relationship. And to get a little bit more specific with that, um, <clears throat> you might ask yourself questions. You might ask, um, in this relationship I'm in, can I name at least five characteristics of the person that I really like and admire? Does this person talk and listen to me? Do they act, um, do I get to act like myself when I'm around this person? Is this person jealous of my friends, my relatives? Is there substance abuse going on in the relationship? Um, does, does the person that I'm with have trouble controlling their anger? Has there, been, has there ever been any physical um, violence in the relationship? Those are some, some questions you could start with. Mm-hmm. What are healthy ways to deal with conflict with your partner? That's a great question, and I think that one of the one of the myths is that if there's no conflict in a relationship, that means the relationship is super healthy. When in fact, uh, what really matters is how you manage that conflict. When there's no conflict at all, that might mean that either one or both of the individuals in the relationship are not really saying how they feel and saying what they need and things are getting swept under the rug. So when conflict does come up, uh, communication is key. 
to be able to approach your partner and do so in a gentle way as opposed to an attacking or blaming stance with them. Um, <clears throat> and it's it's important to recognize that in any relationship, um, each individual person is bringing different life experiences, different insecurities, different needs, and different expectations. And so conflict is inevitable. And so even just knowing that can can be helpful to know because we're having a fight right now, it doesn't mean that the relationship is ending. It just means that we're we're having another one of those um, issues that, that are coming up where we're, we're going to have to negotiate needs. So I want this, you want this, how can we come up with a compromise? Um, I would say with managing conflict, reflective listening is key. So instead of while your partner is talking with you about what's bothering them, thinking about your, your counter response, actually listening to what they're saying and even summarizing, reflecting back to them what, what you heard them say so that they leave the conversation feeling heard, feeling seen. <clears throat> That's um, pretty important when it comes to managing conflict. Um, what's your advice rega regarding establishing healthy communication patterns in a relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one thing that I teach my clients is I statements. Uh, and what that is is so it's an alternative to uh, a, a blaming statement or an attacking statement. So instead of saying, <clears throat> you never call me, I guess we just won't talk anymore. That would be a blaming statement. Instead of saying that, you could say, I feel hurt when you go so long without calling. I'm afraid that you don't care. Can we talk for 20 minutes every day? And so the difference there is that you are owning your feelings. So instead of making it about the other person and immediately blaming, which which of course brings up defensiveness in that person and then you're not you're not going anywhere productive with that conversation. For you to be able to be vulnerable and say, "I feel hurt when you do this." and even give a reason why. In this example, the reason why is when you don't call, I feel like you don't care about a relationship about me. Um, to take that even one step further is to suggest the the behavior that you want from your partner. So in that example, as I had said, <clears throat> could, you, could we talk for 20 minutes a day? Um, what advice would you give to people dealing with trust issues or communication blocks in a relationship due to trauma or past experience? Oh, that's that's a great question too. Anyone that has experienced trauma would benefit from therapy. So the the first most important thing is that you're doing your own work to understand what are my triggers, what are my insecurities, what are the things that I'm reacting to that may have less to do with what's happening in the present moment and more to do with what I what what happened to me as I was growing up. So when there's trauma, each individual person needs to be engaging in their own therapy and working on building self awareness so that they can take ownership when they are having, you know, a fight or flight response in a conflict with their partner or um, they're getting they're having a, a an ex what may be perceived as an extreme reaction to something small 
which makes perfect sense if you understand that the person has a, a history of trauma, but it, it, it's confusing if you don't know that. So can, having your own therapy and also communicating with one another about what it is that you've experienced in the past. Would you say that giving your partner uh, your social media passwords or your partner demanding to you to give them your social media passwords unhealthy? That would be a red flag because as as we were talking about at the beginning, trust is super important in a healthy relationship. So when you're noticing that your partner is, is jealous or they're they're worried or they're needing to control different aspects of your life, that that's one of those red flags where the solution likely isn't, here's all my passwords to all my social media accounts and all my things. Uh, the solution more is how do we build and cultivate trust in the relationship? Um, is there something that has happened where trust has been broken? Does this have more to do with trauma that, that the person has experienced in the past? Maybe they've been cheated on in the past or they're, they, they're struggling with a fear of abandonment. Um, but, yeah, I would say that along with trust, privacy is, is an important um, right that we all have in our relationships. Um. What's one bit of advice you'd offer to teenagers in relationships? Hmm. That is a good question. I think that <clears throat> I would say paying attention to your own sense of self and your own needs and having healthy boundaries is is something I would want teenagers that are starting to um, explore different relationships, whether it's whether it's a romantic relationship or it's um, relationships with your family members or with friends. Even um, what I would want teenagers to know is that it's it's good and it's healthy to have a strong sense of identity to be able to say yes and be able to say no um, and to not fall into that people-pleasing pattern of, I really want people to like me, so I'm going to say yes to anything that's requested of me, whether or not it goes against my own personal values. Um, <clears throat> so if I, was, if I was talking with a teen that was struggling in relationships, I would, I would want to really encourage thoughtfulness around boundaries and um, looking at you know, how do I set myself up for success in my relationships? How do I pace myself and share personal information gradually as I get to know if this is a person I can trust rather than kind of jumping all in before I truly know the person and truly feel, you know, assess whether I feel comfortable or I feel safe with this person. The second professional we interviewed was Ellen Smith, a licensed professional clinical counselor supervisor and certified sex therapist. Could you just give us a quick explanation of your job and what you do? Yeah, I am a clinical counselor and I have a private practice up in Lancaster and I see people with mental health issues. I have a specialty in relationship counseling and 
before I was working for myself, I worked in community mental health for about 15 years. So I've seen a lot of people around here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics of a healthy relationship? Ooh, wow. I mean, there's so many different things that could be construed as healthy, right? If I were to come up with one that, you know, there's a model, it would be a norm and then maybe somebody who didn't have that kind of relationship but that worked would think that they were marginal because I had set a norm. You, you follow what I'm yeah. saying? So it's, it's hard to say, um, you know, in a nutshell, what are typical of healthy relationships. I would say respect, consent, obviously uh, positive regard for one another. What are examples of red flags that show a relationship is becoming toxic? Okay, well, any kind of violence, of course. And, um, I mean, that can start with something as low-key as name-calling. Name-calling is verbal abuse. I'm thinking about um, a case that I've been working on recently where the individual is processing a very toxic relationship that they had in high school. The symptoms that come to mind are um, the loss of power. It's about it becomes about power and control. If you are the uh, the individual that is not the I don't want to say perpetrator, but not the one that is overtly toxic. If you're like if you're the victim and you find yourself losing your sense of self, giving in to somebody else's desires. Um, allowing them to isolate you from your other friends. That's a big one that, that, that people who have um, controlling relationship issues, they, they're um, insecure about their partner having extraneous um, relationships beyond the initial, the, the partnership. And um, I don't think that's healthy. Um, there are people that even alienate their partner from their families. So that's a definite wet red flag if, if your partner doesn't want you to hang out with your friends every once in a while or be around your family. Um, let's see, what else um, would be a red flag that something's toxic? That's the question, right? Okay. Um, okay, jealousy is a really terrible thing. And the awful thing is is you really can't help having it. You know, it just happens. And, um, and, and when, when someone is jealous, they're in a state of high alert all the time. It's almost like they're traumatized at the idea of whatever they're jealous of. So um, that's one um, that is really hard to nip in the bud because like I said, you don't, you don't just like sort of like learn to be jealous. You, you're either jealous or you're not. Um, what are some good ways to deal with conflict with your partner? Um, well, communicating in a way that doesn't put the other individual on the defensive is helpful. And um, I have a little equation that I teach people how to do that. Um, when you are expressing yourself to your partner about something that they did that you didn't like. Example, they didn't take out the recycling, okay? 
if you say you're a jerk, you didn't take out the recycling, you don't want to help at all, that person is likely to respond with defense. You know, who are you to say I'm a jerk? You don't know what I want. Those kind of thoughts. If you say when you took when you when you didn't take out the recycling, I felt like you didn't want to help at all. Then you're putting it on yourself, and you're also citing a concrete, observable action that the person who did it can't say they didn't. You know, it's you know when you didn't take out the recycling. You know, if they didn't take out the recycling, they didn't take it out. They can't argue that. So these ways of communicating sort of help to de-escalate and, and stop people from getting into arguments um, which could, you know, blossom into name-calling and domestic violence, you know, emotional or um, physical and sometimes sexual. Um, what's your advice regarding establishing healthy communication patterns in a relationship? Well, pretty much just what I said. Um, I um, I really think it's important to use I statements. And uh, when you're saying the when you blank, I felt blank, um, be careful not to say when you blank, it made me feel blank. Because it didn't make you do anything. You just felt it. I really like that, yeah. 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 Um, what advice uh, would you give to people dealing with trust issues or communication blocks in a relationship due to uh, trauma or past experiences? Due to trauma, go to therapy. Deal with the trauma because um, if, if, the, if it's repressed and it's not addressed and it's just pushed down, in my experience it always leaks in some sort of dysfunction. So, um, Supportive therapy with someone who's trauma-informed, who knows that the brain is changed when one experiences a trauma and you experience your memories differently and um, you experience your memories as if they're on high alert and they just happened because your, your individual is trying to make sure that that never happens again. So it keeps you on high alert for that sort of thing. So if somebody is trauma-informed, they're going to be very reactive. So um, I think insight into knowing if you, if you come from trauma, knowing that you're going to be reactive and, and, and taking responsibility for that. You know, also, of course, getting support. And then um, the partner um, also with the awareness that this person's brain works differently from someone that wasn't traumatized, um, you know, they can take that into consideration and, and change the way that they perceive what's going on. Um, is giving your partner your social media passwords unhealthy? Oh man, I think social media is unhealthy. I mean, I seriously, agree. I am self-imposed banned from Facebook. I can't handle it. I just can't handle it. It's completely understandable. Yeah, it's just way too out there. It's way too permanent. Um, I think it's such an easy platform for bullying. Um, I mean, I, I, I love it in some ways because 
I went to school in England when I was a little girl, and I got back in touch with those little girls who are now middle-aged women like me, and we had a blast, and it was all because of Facebook. But I just, um, that's not enough. I had to I had to turn off my account. So yeah, I don't know about giving people passwords. I, th I think that um, going on people's phones and computers is creepy. I think it's never a good idea. And it's a sign of jealousy or or control. And you know, you know, I know it happens all the time. I personally can't, can't imagine having the time or interest to go through my partner's phone. You know, um, thank God because I know it, it can be it, it can become a compulsion, and then you're always checking. And so um, when that happens, um, total transparency needs to be um, the case. Because otherwise, anyway, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. But should you give them your passwords? Sure, you know, it, sure or don't or. Um, but I guess what what really the should here is is um, don't have anything you want to hide like that from your partner, right? Just a refrain from that on social media. You can have secrets. We don't have to tell everybody everything. We have boundaries. But, you know, social media is not a platform to to be discussing something that you wouldn't want your partner to know about. So, yeah, I mean, ergo, give them your password, whatever. Um, what's one bit of advice you'd offer teenagers in a relationship? Teenagers in a relationship? Oh, my God. <laughs> This is the saddest thing. I'm, I'm really, really sorry. But first of all, the first cut is the deepest. So, ouch. Get ready. It hurts. It still hurts, uh, you know, years later if you are heartbroken. Heartbreak is, the, is such a sad form of grief. It's like it feels like you have a really bad stomach ache, like high up in your stomach. You know, I don't know if any of you have experienced that yet, but yeah. I have a few times in my life, and it's horrible. Um, so, that being said, very few people stay with the person that they're with in high school for the rest of their lives, which necessitates a breakup somewhere down the line, and ouch. So, I guess um, knowing, coming to these relationships with perspective that this might be a finite time for us to be soulmates and that we might not be soulmates or partners always but like this is special right now and keep it in the present and be mindful about it and um, you know um, be realistic about making future plans I mean and and that's not for everybody because some people might be like I'm gonna get married to my college sweetheart but we met when we were, we were five and by you know they're still together 50 years later and it's amazing but it's not the norm, you know. It's 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 really hard to be in a long-term relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming in and for answering our questions. You're so welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Matrix Podcast. I'm Lydia McInnes. I'm Alan Goro. 
and I'm Henry Welsh. Special thanks to Ellen and Julie for taking the time out of their days to allow us to interview them. Thank you to Quick Nibby for composing our intro and outro music. Make sure to tune in next week for the next episode of The Matrix Podcast.